today on CityCast Philly. Election Day is tomorrow. If you need to catch up fast, we've got your guide to all the big races and storylines you need to know to help cast your ballot. I'm speaking with two reporters who will break it down from the local races to statewide contests. It's Monday, November 6th. I'm Laura Benshoff, filling in for Trine Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Sean Collins-Walsh, City Hall reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thanks for coming back on CityCast Philly. Thanks for having me. And Katie Meyer, government reporter and editor for Spotlight PA. Welcome back as well. Great to be here. Sean, we're going to start with you by talking about the mayor's race. So we recently heard from Republican candidate David O and Democratic candidate Sherelle Parker on the show. Our listeners can go back and check out those episodes if they haven't listened to them already. But I just wanted to ask, you know, we're pretty far into this race. Have there been any late breaking developments in the contest people need to be aware of or have the last few weeks before the election been pretty quiet? Not a lot of big surprises on the campaign trail from start to finish in the general election here, um, which is probably good news for Cheryl Parker as the Democrat in a heavily Democratic city. And David O even said in a recent joint appearance that they had that Cheryl is a good candidate. So I don't think uh, much, much is happening that is unexpected. Got it. Okay. Let's talk about city council. This was the year when tons of city council members resigned to try to run for mayor. We're seeing a lot of turnover, and I kind of want to start with the at-large city council races. So those are the seats that aren't tied to one geographic area in the city. They're people who are elected by the entire city to be on city council. Can you just tell us who's running for the at-large seats this year? Sure. So there are five Democrats, two Republicans, and two candidates from the Working Families Party, which is sort of a progressive third party, that are all vying for seven seats. The five Democratic candidates you'll see on your ballot are, let's start with the two incumbents, Kathy Gilmore-Richardson and Isaiah Thomas. And then there's Jim Herity, who is sort of an incumbent and sort of not because he won a special election to that seat in the middle of his term. And then there's two history-making newcomers, that's Rue Landau, who will become the first openly LGBTQ member of city council. And there's Nina Ahmad, who will become the first South Asian member of council if both of them win in November. So the five Democrats are expected to be fine, just as they always are. And that means basically that the two Republicans, Jim Hasher and Drew Murray, are going up against the two working families candidates, Kendra Brooks, who's an incumbent, and Nicholas O'Rourke, for those final two seats. Okay. And so just to make sure I understand what you're saying, basically, because voter registration skews so heavily Democratic in Philly, and there are these seven seats, if you're a Democrat and you've made it this far, you're basically a shoe-in, right? That's right. The real fight for the Democrats was to be in the top five in the primary. And because Democrats have more than seven to one uh, voter registration advantage over Republicans or any other party, as it were, in Philadelphia, that means that they're pretty much a safe bet for November Yeah. And talk to me a little bit now about the contest between these two minority parties, right? You mentioned the Republicans and the Working Families Party. They're really battling it out for these two seats. What does that look like and how are the different candidates pitching themselves at this stage? Sure. It's a really different kind of race if you're used to following politics nationally because they are fighting for these two seats that basically Democrats can't get. So they're effectively set aside for minority party 
candidates. So for 70 years, Republicans held those because there wasn't another party. Hmm. And now this newer progressive working families party in starting in 2019 and again this year are attempting to capture both those seats. Kendra Brooks won a historic victory in 2019 to get one of those seats. And now her and her running mate, Nicholas O'Rourke, are trying to get the other one as well. And basically they're saying, you know, this is a liberal town, this is a democratic town, so it would be better representative of the city if we had Democrats and working families candidates than Democrats and the party of Trump, as they put it. Interesting. And do we know what their chances are? I know, like you said, Kendra Brooks is an incumbent, so they've had one person on city council, but is there a chance that the Republicans could kind of be wiped out this year? There is definitely a chance. No one really knows how to predict this election. Like I described, it's an unusual format and there hasn't been polling. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard predictions that Republicans could get both seats back, that working families could sweep and or a mix, which wouldn't be surprising either. And how are the GOP candidates? You mentioned Jim Hasher and Drew Murray. How are they pitching themselves in this field? They are pitching themselves as what I think Democrats would call reasonable Republicans on the national stage. They're not talking about Trump, even though uh, at least one of them voted for Trump. They're not talking about partisan issues like abortion and things like that. They are saying, you know, we uh, will bring balance to the council. We represent a certain point of view that many Philadelphians have, even if not a majority. And they are trying to cast the working families folks as extreme. Got it. Okay. So those are the at-large races. Now, Philly also has 10 district council seats. So those are the people that represent a specific geographic region in the city. Are any of those contested? Are there any parts of the city where we might have listeners who, you know, are going to have a real contest on their ballot for the general election? Nine out of the 10 seats are overwhelmingly Democratic. And most of those don't even have a Republican on the ballot. But in far northeast Philadelphia, in the 10th district, the only Republican who holds a district council seat is up there. And that's Brian O'Neill, and he's held it since 1980, which is remarkable. Wow. And he's running against Gary Messino, who's a Democrat and a union leader in the building trades. And he has a lot of money, and that's very unusual for a challenger in a district council race. So that is a real race up there. Okay, so we'll see what happens up there. Any predictions on that one? No, again, no, because um, the seat has become majority Democratic. I think something like 60 or more percent of voters in that district are Democrats, but they are, you know, tough on crime type of Democrats. And the Republicans up there might be more moderate Republicans, and they have no problem voting for the other party's candidate, which you can see from O'Neill's success over the years. So it's it's also difficult to guess where that one's going to go. Got it. Super interesting. And just kind of big picture, you know, we're talking about a lot of turnover on city council this year. What could change with so many new faces, so many new people coming onto council and a new mayor all at once? That's true. A lot of the folks who will be elected this year uh, are going to be either in their first or second term starting in January. It's a really young council that will be taking office in terms of experience in government. And uh, I I would say there hasn't been one ideological shift, one direction or the other. It's not like way more conservative or way more liberal, but it will be new. Okay, Sean, let's talk cleanup about the other races, the other things people are going to see on their ballot. You know, I know these might not be the most contested, but when people go to the polls on Tuesday, they're going to see races for things like city commissioner, city controller, register of wills, sheriff. 
Who are the names for these positions? And are any of them expected to be close races? None of them are expected to be close races. They're, again, safe partisan spaces for their candidates. Uh, All of them, except for City Commissioner Seth Bluestein, are Democrats, and he's a Republican. But he has one of those set-aside seats. So you won't see any contested races, but you will see some new faces because of turnover that has happened in between the last general election and this one. So City Controller Christy Brady has replaced City Controller... Rebecca Reinhardt, who ran for mayor, and she is the Democratic nominee, so she will likely win. And then Register of Wills, Tracy Gordon, lost in the primary to John Sabatina. Mm. So he'll be on the ballot, and he is expected to win the general election. Got it. And there's one ballot question this year, right? What is it? It is a relatively routine ballot question. Uh, Voters almost always approve the ballot question. So this one turns the mayor's office for people with disabilities into a permanent office. And basically, that's just kind of a technical thing where it's in the city charter as opposed to just by executive order from the mayor. And it gives it a little more weight, makes it permanent, and you can expect for it to pass. Got it. It's the difference between it being a kind of like maybe tied to a mayoral administration and being kind of a permanent facet of city government, right? Exactly. And it sort of changes where it comes up in the budgeting process, too. Got it. All right. Katie, I want to shift gears now and talk about statewide races. Tell me what kinds of judges we're going to see on our ballots and what impact those roles have on our lives here in the Commonwealth. Well, you're going to see a lot of judges. Um, This is the year for that. So uh, real broad strokes, uh, we have Supreme Court race, uh, we have a Superior Court race, and we have a Commonwealth Court race. The Supreme Court is the highest court in Pennsylvania, sort of akin to the U.S. Supreme Court. Those judges tend to be pretty high profile insofar as any judge is high profile. These are positions that are seen as kind of political, and they especially have in the last decade or so gotten pretty political. Um, So those judges get really involved in state government in a couple different ways. They often pick our congressional maps, for instance, when the legislature can't agree on one. Um, They've had very prominent roles in hashing out exactly how Pennsylvania's election laws should be interpreted. Abortion has also been a big issue in this race just because it is uh, a big question for states right now. So that would be the Supreme Court. Uh, Superior Court is more of a, a civil case type of court. If a criminal case goes up through the court system, it'll end up there. It can also go to the Supreme Court, but Superior is the first step. A good example of that, one of their high-profile cases was when the conviction uh, for Meek Mill, the rapper, was vacated. That happened via the Pennsylvania Superior Court. And then the Commonwealth Court um, is kind of a unique court. Pennsylvania is really the only state that has something exactly like this. But basically, it is a court that deals with government matters. So when the state is sued or when the state wants to sue someone else, things will start first in the Commonwealth Court Hmm. before they go to the Supreme Court. So they're busy courts, and the judges there can often have a real high-profile role in state politics. Yeah, definitely. And in particular, you know, state Supreme Courts end up making policy. They have a huge amount of power um, over the way things run in our Commonwealth. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about what we're going to see in terms of that race. How many seats are open and who's on the ballot? Yes. So for the Supreme Court, there is one seat open. I should say this will not change the balance of the court, but people really care about it because in the next several years, that could change. Right now, we have um, a four to two Democratic majority on the court with one vacancy after the chief justice died uh, last year. 
And so whoever wins will either widen that uh, Democratic majority or narrow it a lot. Uh, the two candidates in that race um, are Carolyn Carlucho. She's the Republican. She's a Montgomery County Court of Common Pleas judge. And we also have Daniel McCaffrey. He is a Superior Court judge. And both of them, and we can get into this as well, have been raising a ton of money. And yeah, it's been a, a very expensive race. Yeah, I wanted to follow up and ask a little bit more about that. You know, Spotlight has reported a ton on who's donating to these candidates, what interests those donors might have. Can you tell us a little bit about who's funding Carlucho and McCaffrey and and what those funders kind of say about the impact of their roles? Absolutely. So we just got one of the final campaign finance reports that we're going to get that the candidates filed before the race. And what's interesting, uh, so the Republicans, their spending is often pretty consistent. And it's because the way that Republican politics in Pennsylvania works right now is that a lot of it is funded by one guy. Um, There's this network of PACs. One of the main ones is called Commonwealth Leaders Fund. And they are by and large funded by this guy, Jeff Yass, who is the wealthiest person in Pennsylvania. He runs uh, SIG, Susquehanna International Group, and uh, Mm -hmm. it's what's called a high-speed trading firm. Basically, he's a a trader. He's a Wall Street guy. And uh, he has a lot of money, and he puts a lot of it into mostly Republican politics, but very specifically into school choice. And so anybody who wants to, for example you know, make it easier to put public money into private schools, for instance. That's one of Jeff Goss's real priorities, possibly, I would say, his one priority. And so he'll give to Democrats, too, if they support that goal. Hmm. He's given a lot of money to Carolyn Carlucho's campaign. In the last uh, campaign finance report, they were at about $2 million, and that's mostly for TV ads. So um, spending that specifically goes to ads, not just to the campaign. Um, But then the other thing I should say is that um, Democrats have a little bit more recently started spending extremely heavily to uh, try to counter that spending, or at least that's what they told us. Got it. And so it's really these two these two candidates battling it out for this position. How are they presenting themselves? What what's their pitch to voters? So McCaffrey has spent a lot of time kind of, you know, pitching himself, billing himself as a reasonable candidate, a person who is not going to take any, you know, strong positions on controversial issues, or at least he's saying he will sort of counter the Republicans, what he's pitching is like the Republicans' uh, potential to make extreme rulings on things like abortion, on, you know, elections. So that's been a big focus, trying to make the case that uh, Carolyn Carlucho is an anti-abortion candidate that she um, believes that the election was flawed. And uh, she's really kind of uh, pushed back against this characterization. But uh, she has said things about it in the past. You know, uh, she uh, had criticized Pennsylvania's mail voting laws during the primary. She said once that she would welcome that to come up before me. Let's put it that way. That's a direct quote from her. Um, And that's mail-in voting, which was assailed by Republican candidates a lot during the 2020 election. Exactly. And many still don't like it and would like to restrict Mm. it in Pennsylvania. And so, again, that's one of those things that comes up before the courts a lot. And so it makes a big difference. On abortion, um, there's been a lot of talk about that as well. Um, She had a statement that was kind of pro-life on her website that she took down later. So those have been big um, Hmm. uh, points of interest in the campaign. In terms of McCaffrey, uh, he has a really, really long history in uh, Pennsylvania politics. His brother, Seamus McCaffrey, was also a Supreme Court judge. 
Um, he did step down during a, a pretty major scandal on the court. It was known as the Porngate scandal. Uh, right. so you, you, we don't even have to get into the whole thing. They were emailing each other porn, right? Is that that's the Cliff's Notes about this? That is the Cliff's Notes. Okay, great. So we have more reporting on that if you're interested in the history. But uh, yeah, so he, again, you know, has been around PA politics and Philadelphia politics specifically. He's a Philly guy for a long time. So um, that's been one of the through lines in his race. People saying, oh, yours is too politics as usual. He's too connected. Look at who his brother is, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Got it. Super interesting. Well, I have to ask you both before we go, you know, considering some of these contests are not expected to be super close. Are we going to have a late night on election night or do we think it'll be polls closed, results rolling in, in bed by a decent hour? What do you think? Oh, I can say I, I talked to some election folks last week and I was trying to get a general sense of what we're in for. It doesn't sound like anybody's expecting a super late night. Sean, you might have heard different things. It often just depends on how close a race, even a well-run race can, you know, be dragged out if the margin of victory is is very small. So um, I think we're expecting potentially a relatively late night when it comes to the city council at large contest, because that one looks like it might be close. Makes, makes a ton of sense. Well, thank you so much for your reporting. Thank you for coming on. Sean Walsh, City Hall reporter with the Philadelphia Inquirer and Katie Meyer, government editor and reporter for Spotlight PA. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks. We'll have links to reporting from the Philadelphia Inquirer and Spotlight PA all about the general election in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode about what's on your ballot, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter, Hey Philly, to learn more about what else Philly's talking about. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.